that healing. We'll give you the honor uh, for it all, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bible this morning and turn with me, if you will, uh, to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 18 today. And <clears throat> I want to uh, deal with this topic uh, that, uh, that John addresses. I know it's a very serious, uh, very real uh, issue for uh, probably everybody in this room at some point uh, along the way uh, in, our, uh, in our journey, in our walk with uh, the Lord, uh, that we struggle and, and wrestle uh, as John talks about here, that we have uh, that uh, same uh, type uh, of, uh, of an issue. Uh, and that is uh, that, um, and, and I'm going to describe it broadly, uh, that we go many times uh, when, we, uh, when we go to the Lord and we try to pray uh, and we want to talk to Him, uh, at some point along the way, uh, what happens is, uh, and, and, again, most, and I'm trying to be very kind of broad here because it happens, I think, in, uh, in different ways, but when we try to pray, uh, our conscience gets a hold of us uh, and says, well, who do you think you are praying? Uh, you know, well, what are you doing? You know, you, you, you praying about this. And you, you remember what you did yesterday? You remember what you said this week? You remember, uh, you know, what, how you acted last week? You remember that? You think God, who do you think you are trying to pray and, uh, and, and talk to God? Uh, and Satan is a master uh, at using uh, guilt uh, to paralyze uh, God's people. Uh, and he just, you know, we, uh, you know, he does it when it comes, uh, you know, we'll come into church uh, and maybe uh, the Spirit of God will move us and we think about maybe raising our hand and say amen and, and Satan, will, you know, our guilty conscience will say, you can't raise your hand. People know what kind of person you are. You're a hypocrite. You know, those kind of things. Satan is a master uh, of using guilt. Uh, again, to cripple us, uh, to silence us, uh, to paralyze us, to hinder our prayer life, uh, to interfere with our worship, uh, to interfere with our spiritual growth, uh, just so many ways. Uh, and he's always been that way. Uh, and the reason he keeps doing it is because it keeps working. Uh, you know, uh, guilt is a marvelous tool, and Satan has uh, learned to use it uh, in so many ways. Huh? You know, how can you possibly, how do you have the audacity to ask God uh, for anything, considering what you did yet? You know that feeling. You, uh, you, you probably uh, experienced it. You know, it may bring up the attitudes you had yesterday or bring up you know, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And he's not above. It doesn't have to be yesterday. Uh, he'll say, you remember what you did 37 years ago? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it is, it is horrible uh, how, uh, how Satan uh, operates and how he uses uh, guilt uh, to, to shut us down. Uh, again, to shut down our prayer life, to shut down uh, our, our worship, to shut down um, our praise, to shut down uh, our witness uh, that we will, uh, again, we, you know, we, we'll think, well, I'm going I'm to go tell that person about Jesus and say, who do you think you are to try to tell somebody about? I mean, he, he just, he uses it in so many ways uh, to stop uh, the advance of the kingdom of God, to stop uh, God's people uh, from progressing, from growing uh, in, their, uh, in their own faith. Uh, you know, you'll decide, hey, I'm going to start praying more. I'm going I'm to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to get me a good devotional guide, and I'm going to follow it uh, so that I can mature and I can get closer to God. And you'll start, and, and Satan will come along and, and, you know, undermine that with guilt. You can't get any closer to God. You mean, you're wicked. You, you know, you do this, you do that. He is a master uh, at, using, uh, at using guilt. It's really hard, and, and I'm kind of going to uh, focus on prayer, but again, you see it, uh, it goes in all kinds of directions. Uh, it's really hard to pray 
when you don't have any confidence, uh, when you're struggling uh, and, and wrestling with guilt. John realizes that, uh, and he's going to address that. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, several things here that John shares with us that uh, are, are tools that uh, are available for us uh, for conquering that uh, condemning conscience. Our conscience uh, will condemn us. It will come against us uh, and, and work against us uh, in so many ways. But uh, again, he's going to share with us several uh, tools and the kind of uh, you know, the kind of uh, work together uh, that uh, you know not not any one of them stands alone, but uh, they kind of come together uh, and give us a good toolbox in dealing uh, with our own conscience, dealing with uh, this guilt uh, that, uh, that comes uh, into uh, our life. And the first one uh, that he talks about here, beginning in verse uh, 18, is, is this reassurance. Uh, just a very basic uh, opposite, uh, a very basic tool to deal uh, with a guilty conscience. He says, my little children... And I love that phrase. Uh, John uses that a lot. He's like, uh, I, I can picture John, the old uh, kind of uh, grizzly war veteran, if you will. Uh, I mean, he's been through the trenches. He's been, uh, you know, he's walked with Jesus. I mean, he's, he's been through it. I can, I can picture John coming along beside uh, other people and just kind of sitting down, put his arm around and say, my, my little children. Yeah, you, you can just sense the love uh, that John has, the concern that John has uh, for the people of God here uh, in, in that statement. He says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know. John likes that word know. Uh, again, I haven't talked about it much, but uh, the name of this series has been That You Might Know. Uh, that's one of John's favorite phrases. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. He says, little children, he says, hereby we know and we can assure uh, our hearts. And uh, again, the King James Version says assure, but uh, really if we were writing that today, we would say reassure. Uh, in other words, John says, you know, you put them through this, you know, it's kind of an ongoing thing. You're going to have to continually reassure yourself uh, of your faith. When John says hereby, uh, the word simply means by this. By what? John says uh, by this, hereby. Uh, what's he talking about? He says, because we don't love just in word nor in tongue, but in deed and in truth. John says, first of all, I want you to recognize something there that John says. John says, hereby we know. We can know we are a child of God. We can know we are saved. We can know we have the promise of eternal life. I have, and perhaps you have uh, over time, asked people about uh, their spiritual condition, asked them uh, if they were saved, asked them if they were uh, going to heaven, and they'll look at you and say, well, I hope so. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I might hope I get there on an airplane. You know, I, said, I, I don't know how many of you have ever flown, but you know, every now and then they'll hit them patches of turbulence, and, and I start hoping a whole lot. You know, uh, you know, I hope and hope and hope and hope. Uh, you know, I'm not hoping for heaven. I, I'm not hoping for salvation. John says we can know that we are a child of God. And so he said, reassure yourself uh, with that truth, with that fact, that you can know uh, that you are saved. How can we know? It refers back here uh, to this, uh, to this uh, previous statement. We can know that we have a relationship with God. We can know uh, that we have been forgiven. We can know that we have been set free. We can know that we have been cleansed because we love the Christian brothers. We love other believers. He said that's how uh, you can know uh, the fact that you are uh, a child of God, that we are of the truth, he says. And so he says, here's some reassurance to you. 
uh, you can know uh, you're a child of God. When you try to pray, when you try to witness, when you try to worship, whatever it is you, you're attempting to do for God, and Satan comes along and says, ah, you, how you, you can't possibly pray. Who do you think you are? You remember yesterday, you remember last week, you say, yeah, I do, but God doesn't. I have been forgiven, I have been saved by the grace of God, and I know I am a child of God. We can know that, uh, he says, that we are living according to the truth. And it allows us the opportunity, it allows us to, he says, assure or reassure our hearts. I don't have to live under that guilty feeling. I don't have to live with, with that fear. The Bible says He hasn't given us uh, the spirit of, of fear. Uh, we don't have to live in that way. He has given us the ability uh, to have a, a clear conscience and a confidence to approach God. The Bible tells us what? That we can go boldly before God. We don't have to live in that kind of fear. Why? Because he says you can know you are a child of God. When we love others as God loved uh, uh, others, then we know we're a child of God. Now, I've got to go down this road for just a moment. The reality is uh, if we don't love others, then yeah, maybe we ought to be doing a little check. Maybe we ought to be doing a little examination. But he says by loving each other, he says we know we belong in the truth. Now, let me go, I might as well go down this little side. Loving others is not always easy. Yeah, it's not. Some people are, you know, I go back to my nice line. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Yeah, it's easy to love the lovable. But them unlovable people about to work my last nerve. I don't know about you. Yeah. But he says that we love those. And, and we love them. Listen. And, and we, uh, we serve others. We help others. We work for them. We, we do things to, uh, to help them uh, along the way. Again, we talked about this in last week's passage. If we see a brother in need... And we have the ability to help that brother, and we don't do it. He says, "Then something's wrong with your ultimately with your relationship uh, of God with God." When we when we when we have the resources, we have the ability to help someone, and we don't do it. He says something is wrong. But he says, because we love, each, uh, love the brothers and sisters in Christ, he says we can know, we have a reassurance uh, that, uh, we would, uh, that we love each other. If you have never read this book, let me, let me encourage you, uh, pick up a copy. It's not expensive. It's been around for a good while. You get a paper book, back copy uh, off of Amazon. I don't have stock in Amazon. I don't get any commission off the book. I'm just telling you, it's a good book for your spiritual walk. And that's Richard Foster's uh, book called The Celebration of Disciplines. Celebration of Disciplines. It talks about uh, spiritual disciplines. And it's all biblical. Uh, it is disciplines that the believer ought to be practicing. And one of them is service, being service to others. I, here's what he says. He says, in some ways... We would prefer to hear Jesus call to deny father and mother, houses and land for the sake of the gospel than his word to wash feet. We'd rather hear Jesus say, deny your father and mother, than we would rather than hear him say, serve others. Powerful statement. He says, Radical self-denial gives the feel of adventurism, but in service we must experience the many little deaths of going beyond our service, ourselves. Listen, when we love each other, he's saying we serve others, we help others. That, that we don't just say, you know, I, I, I went down this tirade last week, I'm not going back there again, about family reunions and people telling you they love you. you know, who are you? Yeah. No. If you love somebody, if you love the brothers and sisters in Christ, then you get out there and you help them. 
You, you, you do things. You serve others. You, you see them along the side of the road. You stop to help them. You know they're hungry. and You have the ability uh, to, to help them, uh, to provide them food. You provide them food. Our, our love has legs. It has action. It's how we reassure ourselves. Love requires service, and that involves humility. We have to humble ourselves. And, and John says that reassures us. You know, think about, think about the benefit of that. John says if we will serve others, if we will love others, he says that will work to reassure us in our faith. Which ultimately, you know, I, I, a lot of people say, man, I'd really like to have a powerful prayer life. I think if I was to ask you that this morning, every hand in the building would go up. I'd really like to have a powerful prayer life. Well, here's what John says. Let me take these steps and put them in order for you. You can have a powerful prayer life when you deal with guilt, and you deal with guilt by loving others, serving others, so you can be reassured and know you're walking with Jesus. There's reassurance here that is provided for us. Not only reassurance, he says, but then notice the second thing. There, there is a resource that is provided. For if our heart condemns us, God, verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Whew. That's like the safety net to verse 19. For if our heart condemns us, I don't know about you, but probably most people could write that statement, that verse, for when my heart condemns me. Yeah. He says, if your heart condemns you, if that should happen, if you should happen to have a guilty episode, if you should happen to have a, a, a period when, when, when guilt comes along and, and, and wants to... Uh, beat you up and beat you down. He says then, God is greater than our heart. What's he saying? He says, you may have a guilty conscience flare up on you every now and then. But God is greater than your conscience. The work of the Holy Spirit in you is greater than your conscience. The Holy Spirit, he says, you know, it, it, it can be uh, you know, really difficult. He says that God has forgiven us. And so when my conscience, your conscience, our conscience, however you say that, sends us on a guilt trip, and more than likely it will. Some of you said, if you're sitting here this morning, you go, Jimmy, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we'll have testimony again in a minute. You can praise the Lord. Because most of us know exactly what John's talking about. We've struggled with it. He says, if it should happen that our conscience should send us on a guilt trip, he says, we don't look to our conscience. It wasn't our conscience that saved us. It wasn't your conscience is a good thing. But you do know your conscience a lot. All of you know that or not. But you can condition your conscience to lie. You know, you see it. You ever look at some people and say, how in the world can they act that way? How can they, you know, sergeant over here probably hasn't come through the courtroom up there and you look at them and go, you know, can I just take them out back and beat them with my billy stick? You know, I know you wouldn't think that way, but I'm not never. You know, you see them on the news, you read the paper, you see some of the just crazy, evil, nasty things that people do and do over and over and keep doing them. And you're like, how can they do that? They have blooded their conscience. They have dulled their conscience to the point where they're, you know, I said, you, you can beat your conscience down. On the other hand, your conscience can beat you down. But here's the reality. John says you're not relying on your conscience. Conscience can be a good thing. 
But it's not your conscience that died on a cross for you. It's not your conscience that was resurrected on the third day for you. It's not your conscience that says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's not your conscience that says, I'm, <coughs> I'm coming back for you. It is not your conscience that saved you. It is the grace of God. And I don't look to my conscience for that kind of thing. He says, if, if, if your guilt does, if your conscience does convict you, does get a hold of you and send you on a guilt trip, you don't look to it. You look to your faith in God who is greater than your lying heart. Who is greater than your lying conscience. You look to your faith in Him who has given you forgiveness, who has given you cleansing, who has set you free. You look to your faith. I will... I've gotten a million... I can't think of it. I'm going to say this and be tormented today. For, For a long time, I have had a real problem with locked doors. I have, and I've got, I can't tell you the last time I went back and checked in. But I can't tell you how many times I have walked out of a door, locked it, got in my car, and we got out and went back and checked that door. Make sure I locked it. I'd be lying if I told you I haven't gotten in my car, drove off, turned around, and come back to check that door to make sure it was locked. And over time, I tell you how I finally got up. When that urge would hit me to go check that door. I'd just stop for a minute and I would think and I would look back and I would see me, I would remember in my mind, I locked that door. I don't need to go back and check. I know it's locked. And if it ain't locked, Tommy and Carol will be here a little bit and they lock <laughs> But I would, I just played in my mind. I know I locked that door. I remember taking my key out putting it in the dead bolt and turning it, I know that door was locked, and I refused. And I, I, I really, when I, when, I, when I realized that and, and came to the point where I said, well, this is a spiritual thing. This is just Satan tormenting me. And I came to the point where I said, no. I know, and I'm not telling you, oh, some, some days I might, you know, I might, I said, I may come back and check this one today when we leave here. You know, but I don't think so, because now I, you know, I, I have, I have learned, I, I think about it, I remember locking that door. That's what John's talking about here. John says when Satan comes along, when guilt comes along and tells you, who are you to try to pray? Who are you to raise your hand? Who are you to stand up and testify? Who are you to tell somebody about Jesus? church, in my living room, riding down the road in my car, standing in the yard, whatever the circumstance was, the preacher, the deacon, the rich, somebody told me about Jesus Christ, and I asked him into my heart, he cleansed me and forgave me, and he came, sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in me, I am now a child of God, I am forgiven, that's who I am. John doesn't say your guilty conscience will never flare up on you. But what he does say is your faith is great. We have to decide. Am I going to put my am I going to put my trust in my conscience? Or am I going to put my trust in my salvation? That ought to be a no-brainer. That ought to be an easy choice for us to make. 
John wrote, we've already looked at this passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That isn't about my conscience. That's about what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. And when my conscience or Satan or whatever you want to call it comes along and tries to drag up guilt and hang it in front of me, my faith in Jesus Christ can take that guilt and swat it out of the way. Let me tell you what guilt is. Guilt, how many of you have ever walked through the woods and you got tangled up in a spider's web? That's got to be one of But you know what you learn pretty early on if you do much walking through the woods? First thing you do is find you a limb. And you walk through the woods doing like this, right in front of you. Just tearing up spider's houses and just keep right on walking. That's all your guilt is. It's like spider's webs, and your faith is distinct. You just swat them out of the way. John says, our faith is greater than our guilt. We do not have to be victims of a guilty conscience. We don't have to, uh, to, uh, to do that. I saw this, and I don't know who, where I saw this. I give them all the credit in the world. This is not my creation. He said there was a threefold test to do, go by. One of them is belief. Do I really believe correctly about Jesus? Answer that one, yes. Okay, move on to the second one. Obedience. Am I really obeying God as I should? Third one, love. Is my love for others what it should be? If I can answer those three questions positively, then my guilty conscience got to go over there and sit down and be quiet. I can pray, I can worship, I can witness, and I can go forward for the gospel. Listen, sometimes we doubt, sometimes we disobey, sometimes, let's be honest, hate kind of wells up in us a little bit. I had a lunch to go to this week. I'm, I don't know why I'm in a confessing mood. Maybe my guilty conscience has got a hold of me. I don't know. I had to go to a lunch this week, and I saw on the invitation list there was going to be somebody there who I don't really, I don't like. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like them. I don't. They, but I'm not even going there. Just, I don't like them. Hate them. Don't wish them no harm. I just really didn't want to eat lunch with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just really, I just really didn't. Yeah. And, and I gotta be honest with you, that bothered me all evening that I felt to it. And, and you know, what, what really made me feel bad was when he didn't show up. I was like, thank you, Lord. And the Lord's like, don't thank me for your bitter spirit. <laughs> Don't thank me for that. We wrestle with that. We struggle with that. Yeah. Listen. And what we may have to understand is, you know, some people say, well, that's, that's bad, Jimmy. How do you think that way? Well, I say, here's how I'm going to look at it. Yeah, it was bad that I thought that way, but it was good that I was convicted for it. It was good that God spoke to me about it. And I will tell you that I don't know how I'm going to work it out and how I'm going to do it, but God has spoke to me and convicted me of something. I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to call him up and I'm going to meet him somewhere and just me and him are going to have lunch. I'm going to deal with it. I, again, I'm not bragging. You better remember how all this started because I told you I didn't want to have lunch with him. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm telling you I'm way flawed, but I, my, by grace I am forgiven. By grace I am forgiven. And Satan can try to make me feel guilty for not wanting to have lunch with him. And I can be reassured by my faith that God convicted me of it and spoke to me and said, you need to deal with it. We don't have to let guilt run us over. 
the reliance. How do we do that? How do we make that shift? Look in verse 21. Beloved, if a heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do these those things that are pleasing in his sight. A lot could be said about that verse. I'm going to hit it quick. Really nice flow to what John is saying here. John says, we love others because we have been loved by Jesus. We love others like he has loved us. And even when we don't love perfectly, God says, trust me, not your conscience. Trust me, not your conscience. Again, your conscience is not always perfect. It's not always right. Holy Spirit of God is. And now that we are confident, he says, we can pray without being hindered. We can pray without being fearful. See that, see that progression John makes? We can be reassured by our love for each other. And even when we fail in that, he says we can be reassured because of the forgiveness of God, because he has changed us, because he has made us uh, into the people he wants us to be. Listen, he says that we can have confidence to pray like no, no one else can. Makes you pray for big things you would have never prayed for. Makes you pray for little things. You ever, anybody in here ever struggle with praying for little things? Think about it for a minute. You ever struggle with praying for little things? You ever, something that, that, that kind of when you started praying for it, Here's another way guilt works. You started praying for something, and your guilty conscience would pipe up and say, why are you bothering God with that? He's got bigger stuff to worry about. He's got, he's got more important things to worry about than your little problem. Let me tell you a real quick illustration of that truth. Anybody in here ever had a small child who lost their balloon. And that child loses his mind. He goes crazy because that balloon is floating away. And what do us as parents say in our great wisdom and love and compassion for that child? Oh, hush, it's just a balloon. Anybody else? Don't y'all sit there with a holy on me. You know that's what you would do. It's just a balloon. Quit your crying. Well, let me put that in perspective for you. That four-year-old who sees his balloon whizzing up through the sky, parallel for you and I, it's like all of a sudden our billfold or our purse swept through the sky. That balloon was that kid's world. And it flew up through the sky. And we're looking at him saying, ah, oh, it's just a balloon. No, it's not just a balloon. I'm preaching on prayer and guilt and a little bit of parenting here. I can get away with that because all my kids are grown. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not just a balloon. It was that child's world at that moment, till the next world came along, the next life, whatever. But in that moment, it was that child's everything. How would you react if your billfold or your purse or your pocketbooks and somebody come along and told you, oh, hush, it's just a pocketbook. Some of you are feeling, your conscience is bothering you, feeling guilty for fussing at your kid because his balloon flew away. I'll tell you the story for that reason. I told you the story for this reason. Now, that's how most of us would act as a parent. But how do you think God would act in that situation? You think God 
would have been concerned and had his heart broken about his, here's his child crying because the balloons fly away? Or do you think God was, oh, hush, it's just a balloon. Which one? I think God would be concerned about the balloon and the kid, don't you? Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand that. Now, I'm going to run a rabbit down the road. Bear with me. God cares about your little things, too. Don't feel guilty for praying for the little things. Don't listen to your conscience. Don't listen to it when it tells you it doesn't matter. What sometimes is a big matter to a child is a little matter to a parent. What's a big matter to you is a big matter to God. Don't let your guilt do that. You rely on Him. You trust on Him. Don't you think it pleases God? According to Scripture, doesn't it please God when His children come to Him and rely on Him even for the little things? God says, don't let our guilt hinder us in those things. You see the recognition. We move quickly here. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Here's here's the very heart, the very center of what John is talking about. When he gives this, he says, believe in the name of Jesus and love fellow believers. They go hand in hand. They walk together. He says, when we do those things, then we don't have to have that guilty conscience. We don't have to have this conscience that hinders us from serving him. Because we know we have believed in him and we have loved our brothers and sisters. And then he gives us this final test in this last verse. The rest that he provides. Verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. He says we can sit back and we rely We abide in Christ, not in our guilty conscience. Not in our guilt. Not in those things. He says we can rely on Him by the Spirit that He has placed in us. By the confidence He has put in us. Danny Aiken, um, who is president of Southeastern Seminary up in Wake Forest, uh, writes um, in his commentary of this story. He said that he met a man um, who was uh, 55 years old. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Danny Aiken. Danny, yeah, Danny Aiken wrote this. Um, so he met a man who was 55 who asked him if he could tell him about his conversion. And he went on to tell him, he said, I I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 50 years old, just five years ago. And he went on to say, tell tell Dr. Aiken that he was a recovering uh, alcoholic and a drug addict. He was recovering from those things, and he had had several failed marriages, uh, marriages that hadn't worked out. He said all of them were his fault, every one of them. He took the blame for all of them. He said he didn't blame anybody for any of those things. He made bad choices, bad decisions, and suffered the consequences all through his life. Dr. Aitken says, then with tears streaming down his face, crying like a baby, he began to talk about his childhood. 
and a daddy who criticized him and condemned him, put him down every chance he got. He said, you know what I told Dr. Aiken? He said, all I really remember about my childhood is my daddy saying to me things like, boy, you can't do anything right. Boy, you just downright don't. Boy, you'll never grow up to be anything. He says, then, here's a good lesson just for a minute. He said, I guess I grew up to be exactly what my daddy said I would be. Then, with a little smile on his lips, he quietly said, but then, five years ago, when I met Jesus, I got a new daddy. And this daddy loves me. He believes in me. He thinks I can do anything in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, we get a new daddy. A perfect daddy. A perfectly heavenly father. Father that desires for us to have a healthy heart and a clear conscience. And you can. You have to remember who you are in Christ Jesus. You love others as you've been loved by Him. You obey His commandments as they've been revealed to us. You please Him. You serve Him for who he is, and for what he has done. And this is the power to save, the power to heal. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. All over this room, Online, there are those here who your guilt, who your conscience has hindered your prayer life, hindered your walk with God. Interfere with you being able to witness, to testify, to serve Him, to love others. Some of you may be like this man I just told you about, going all the way back to childhood. Somebody has told you you're nothing. You'll never be nothing. You're useless. You're worthless. And that's what you hear today. But I want you to know this morning that your Heavenly Father looks at you and says you're everything. That He loves you. He believes in you. And He sent His Son to die for you. You hear this morning, you say, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a believer. I know I'm a child of God. But my past, different situations in my childhood, in my adulthood, my conscience won't let me get over. Who are you going to listen to today? Your conscience or your Savior? Would you come this morning and kneel at this altar and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for loving me. And I don't have to live with guilt. 
I don't have to allow my conscience to stop me from serving you and loving you and praising you. I don't have to let my conscience stop me from praying. Because I've been forgiven. And I've been changed. You're in this room today. Maybe you've never asked Christ into your heart. But if you can't get over your past, Even as we're talking this morning, your conscience, Satan, is telling you, oh, you're too bad. You can't be saved. You know what you did just this week. You remember what you did last year. You remember what you did as a kid. God can't love you. God won't forgive you. It's not what he said. He said in the book we just finished reading, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nobody in this room, nobody online, no one is beyond the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior. Don't let your guilt, don't let your conscience send you out that door lost again. If you don't know Him as your Savior today, would you come? Would you let me show you from God's Word how you can be set free? How the chains can be broken. How you can know Him as your Savior. Christians, you've already got it. You just need to use it. You've already been forgiven. You've already been cleansed. Quit allowing your conscience to beat you to death. Would you come this morning? Father, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you you've given us a conscience that helps us. It can be a real benefit to us. But God, Satan can take it and use it against us. And there are people here today, there are people online, through their guilt, through their conscience, have hindered their walk with you. God, we pray today that we bring that guilt, we bring that conscience, we put it on this altar, and we leave you confident of our relationship with you. Father, for the one who said in here, who doesn't know you, that Satan has convinced them they're too bad, they're too mean, they're too wicked, they've done too many things, they can never be saved. God, I pray this morning you deal with their heart and they'll be able to overcome that guilt. May come and let us show them how they can know Christ, how they can be saved and forgiven today, deliver you life. And we give you honor for it all. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's the
always selling flyers, papers, things, uh, telling you about some of the mission stuff coming up uh, this fall that you can be involved in. And even though it's a long list, again, you don't have to do them all. Um, but uh, pick and choose, like going through the cave there, you serve in the mission, man. Yeah, uh, and uh, you can pick, you can do them all if you want to. Uh, but um, take a look at them and various ways you can serve and help uh, get the gospel out into uh, our community. And uh, so if you're taking one of those and praying about those, praying for those events are going to happen whether or not you're involved or not, so pray for them anyway. Uh, and uh, there's some of them that are very low, uh, low impact, very low bar. Again, coach for the city, I've got to do plenty of coach. Um, there are uh, some of them a little higher, uh, some of them may cost a little more, just different levels of things. So uh, if this is any questions, let me know. Um, and also, um, let me uh, remind you that Friday and Wednesday night, we preach the book of Ephesians, and also after prayer meeting, uh, choir practice, uh, and let me uh, encourage uh, the choir to be here for practice uh, for our good nuts. Um, actually, if you want to sing new songs, we've got a stack of new songs for you. You better come learn them, and you're going to stand up on Sunday and go, so, uh, and remember that, uh, Wednesday night, uh, it's quite practice. All right? Uh, one other thing, let me say thank you. I don't even know who I'm thanking, uh, but I start, I'm assuming, uh, my son, Caleb, uh, had a lot to do with it, because, um, I think, um, but, uh, we got children's church room ready, with really sharp, got tables and things over here. Uh, and so that's one of the chairs that we were promised, and so uh, it looks good, and thank you for getting that ready, and so it's good to go. All right, let's bow as we are uh, dismissed this morning. All right. Father, thank you today. You've given us all for allowing us to gather this morning. Uh, God, as we leave here today, for the Lord, to uh, guide us in the records, uh, keep us in the uh, you care, you're real. Uh, God, uh, especially as we look at this passage from John, uh, Lord, if you bind Satan, uh, overcome our own conscience, uh, Lord, that uh, we would um, be able to serve you with God uh, with confidence. And we'll give you the praise for that. It's in Jesus' name, I pray.